Hey, everybody, this is Ben Bowman, Alex Titus, and our producer, Buddy Terry. And welcome back to another episode of The Oregon Bridge. Folks, this is our wrap-up episode of 2021. It will be coming out after 2021, as Alex corrected me in our first take of this intro. But in this episode, what we want to do is we want to talk a little bit about our favorite moments, favorite episodes, favorite people of the last year, and talk prospectively about what we've got planned, what our goals are, and what we hope to see in the future. But before we get to that, producer Buddy Terry, can you walk us through what were the numbers of 2021? I think we started in March, so we didn't quite have a full year of metrics under our belt. But what did the year in metrics look like for the podcast? Yeah, we started in about March, so there's a little bit of delay there. But where we're going to ring in, it's going to be really close after the next episode. Um, episode 37 is Jimmy Crumpacker. That's going to come out tomorrow. And we're sitting at about... 9,500, just shy of 9,600 downloads all time, really nearing our goal, I think. So it's with those downloads plus the YouTube channel views, sure. it's just over 10,000. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, just talking about the podcast, yeah, we're coming in close to 10K and I think we're going to hit it. We're going to try and make one little last push before New Year's. And yeah, we've had some pretty significant months. I mean, it's been an exponential climb pretty much this whole time. You know, September alone yielded 1,300 downloads and people are really just eating the content up and uh, it's really cool to see. So Alex, you've been a podcast host since March. How has this changed your life? <laughs> it's, I mean, you just, you start with one episode. You can't walk down the street without the paparazzi, you know? It's just insane. Yeah. Uh, I also did like Buddy's description of like explosive growth. Like no one's ever seen these sorts of numbers. I was like, very good, Buddy. Well, <laughs> very good. Yeah. I mean, we uh, got to represent the content. And the exciting part is this has been completely organic these last 10 months. We haven't delved into the monetization side of anything yet. It's just people really just being interested in local journalism and local politics. And what I will also add too is the growth has totally been organic. We have some partnerships coming for the next year that we're excited about. Maybe we'll talk about a little bit about how we think the product is going to grow. If you actually look at overall podcast metrics in the entire field of podcasting, we are somehow remarkably one of the more successful podcasts. Titus, do you remember, like you found some rank, there's top, these- Top 3% on, it's either listen notes or listener notes. Which is pretty remarkable that we've been able to get there, but also I think frankly, it's more indicative of how many low quality podcasts there are available on the marketplace. But that is something I'm proud of that uh, in our first year, we were able to be in a high percent in terms of most downloaded. And especially since we're so focused on a very specific geographic and subject matter area. So we're gonna talk a little bit about favorite episodes. I wanna go to Alex first. We talked to about half Republicans, half Democrats with a few nonpartisan folks sprinkled in. So when you think back to 2021, what are your favorite episodes that you think were the most fun or the best to be a part of? Sure. So my favorite conservative episode was probably Alex Carlatos, partially because he has incredible story, really cool background, served in Afghanistan, stopped a terrorist attack on a train, but also like clearly someone who had absolutely no shoe in the door in terms of politics, right? Like just sort of a random guy who did something amazing and then got really involved in the process. And I wouldn't say he's like a 
well-known celebrity now, but I mean, he's endorsed by Kevin McCarthy. Like he's one of the top targets for the help the Republicans retake the house. Like, I just think his story, especially how young his age has been really cool. Him and I also differ on quite a few issues, especially when it comes to what I would say libertarianism versus conservatism. Uh, We won't get too much into that. My favorite nonpartisan episode, definitely Catherine Gale. One, because I think having worked in this space, there is a gajillion rich people who are trying to influence politics to what they think the right worldview is. And most of them, I think, are just utterly failed <laughs> the endeavor. And I think she's been incredibly successful so far, both in terms of drawing attention to her issue, but then like, also she literally created this idea and then like popularized it. And a bunch of states are putting this on ballot measures now and stuff like that. Like, I think that's frankly really interesting, but also really rare to see that sort of success. And then my favorite Dem had to have been Rep Graybar. One, because I think she's, I don't know, she has a lot of interesting things to say, but then two, I just think she has a really good understanding of sort of where the Democratic Party, at least I think, needs to evolve to sort of maintain their base and kind of expand it. And I think of all the Democrats we talked to, like she just understood that the most. So I would say that would be the quick recap of my top three. And buddy, you had to listen to all these, ep- you were the first person to listen to all of these episodes and actually create them. What were the most enjoyable for you to listen to as you're editing? So my more conservative pick, although she's self-proclaimed more moderate, go figure. I like Jessica Gomez, and this was a pretty recent episode, but she was very articulate. And what I found most interesting was her approach generally feels like almost a neo-industrial revolution for the United States, really. She's approaching, she comes from a a a software development. Computer chips. Computer chips, yeah, sort of manufacturing. And she's taking that approach into her policy and that feels that's very much like a bring business back to america sort of approach which from a business standpoint at least which doesn't take the forefront of my politics but um i can respect are, are, are you saying you stand with america first business policy buddy that's <laughs> <laughs> right but i did beat you to that punch no no, no cut it out cut it out edit it out <laughs> it stays so yeah i really appreciated that and then my nonpartisan, a little bias here because he's pressed but dirk I thought he represented OPB really well in that episode. And although like his perspective on the media is what I would say is a little bit grim, I think that's also a realist perspective. It's a tough space right now. And, and journalism is is a tough industry as the industry as a whole is morphing. People are moving to subscribers and, you know, print has gone by the wayside. And I think he really does a great job to identify the challenge within journalism right now. That is what can the new model look like? And then, On the left, there were several that I really liked, but just to keep it snappy, uh, Tobias, that's a very calm, grounded, professional, like I've done this a lot interview as treasurer. I think he takes what a lot of people consider as a mundane job and just does it and executes. So it was cool to hear his perspective and just his very tame approach to moving forward. I agree with both of your takes. For me, on the right, the Canope family, turns out, are very good at podcasts. I thought both... Reagan and his dad, Senator Tim Canope, were, they're fun guests to have. I definitely disagreed with a lot of what each of them said, but I think they were really skilled in the format and they both like are very good at using humor and the conversation flowed well. So if you didn't listen to the Canope episodes, highly recommended. And I'm also gonna plug the latest episode, which to me was the most surprising episode of the year. 
the Jimmy Crumpacker episode. I think that was the most time we've spent on geopolitics, international affairs of any podcast episode. He was incredibly fluent in the issues. So that was an interesting one for me. And then on the left, the Sarah Gelser, uh, or Gelser Bluen, I think is how she's referred to now, was just A, fascinating and B, mind-blowing. And it was about a really important topic in terms of the child welfare system in, in Oregon. So highly recommended episode there. I love every conversation I have with Labor Commissioner Val Hoyle, now candidate for Congress. And that conversation was great because there was a little bit of push and pull with Alex, which I thought was interesting. And Steve Novick, incredibly entertaining. And I'll use Novick to transition to the next question I have for you both, which is hopes, goals, dreams for what the podcast will be or become in 2022. And I will start by saying what the conversation with Novick helped me see was an opportunity to do like deep dive podcasts on one specific issue area. And for Novick, it would be property tax reform. So you basically take an issue that is hard to understand, maybe a little bit boring or wonky, and bring someone on like Steve, who is A, deeply fluent in the issue, but also super entertaining and can make it digestible for the audience. So I think we should do, I don't know if it'd be once a month or, you know, as we called it at the Daily Emerald, an occasional series where we pick an issue and find someone who can guide us through it. And we just ask questions for 45 minutes or an hour to help our audience as audience advocates better understand the context. So that's one thing that I've got on my mind. Alex, what about you? What do you want to see in 2022? Yeah, specifically for the podcast, we talked a lot about doing this. We initially started, but we didn't actually do it. I want to get us some more national guests and specifically guests that are either writing or working on interesting policy that really relates to Oregon. And I actually have a two really good ones in mind. So fingers crossed. If you're watching us on YouTube, which you need to watch us on YouTube, because that's also one of our goals. You can see my fingers are actually crossed. But yeah, I want at least a few more international guests that are really talking about some of the issues that I think are driving the national politics, but then also really driving the conversation here, because that does really go back to our thesis. And I think that we fell a little bit short on that. Not to think that any of our episodes were bad or like we kind of drifted from the thesis, but like I do want to hammer that down because just even as this year went on, I feel like the thesis is becoming even more relevant and more prevalent, both here and then nationally, kind of as when we first started the podcast. And you also just want to spend a lot more time talking about China, as evidenced by our most recent episode. Um, well, actually, well, maybe I'll even give a sneak peek. Uh, and I don't even know if she'll say yes, but there is a reporter, I forgot her name, but her last name is Hitchens. And she just wrote this really interesting piece for The Atlantic. It was It's titled like, the United States' most popular secession movement. And it's about the guy who's running the movement basically to turn half of Eastern Oregon into Idaho. And I like, she, it's like a very well-researched, very in-depth piece. I'm like, that's super interesting. So trying to get us more guests like that. I also want to get us more folks from the media. I think that our episode with Dirk was really interesting just because again, those people are really well sourced. Like they're talking to a lot more people than we are. And I think that they just bring like a breadth of knowledge on some of these issues that's a little bit more, I wouldn't say interesting, but just like kind of a different avenue than some of our guests bring who are like on the policy or the political side as well. One of the cool things about the newsletter project that we are incorporating into this work is we get to see everyone who registers to sign up for it. And over the last couple months in particular, a ton of journalists have signed up to get the newsletter. So I know they're aware of what we're doing. And I think you're right. There's definitely an opportunity to bring that expertise and perspective on a more regular basis. The Dirk episode was awesome. He was super entertaining and interesting and also like shed some light that like 
I think colored his reporting a little bit, but was like also different than what you saw in the actual articles. So speaking of YouTube though, buddy, any goals from you for 2022 on the back end? I mean, YouTube is, is the goal, right? As far as a platform goes, you know, the podcast has been performing exceptionally, but really that production line is pretty linear. You know, once we get the episode put out, it ends up in different places and people consume it at their own rate. YouTube is a little bit of a different beast. And that's definitely my biggest goal is as we have now like laid the foundation of OR360, the next step is building the house. And when it comes to the production of YouTube and the video side, I want to make it look and sound as best it possibly can so that when people do land there, they recognize immediately that we're putting out quality stuff on a consistent basis. That's really like my biggest hope. And then outside of that, that's going to be the socials and just taking what we already have because we have such a wealth of knowledge and content already getting it out in different places and different formats for sure and i think that that's a good transition to uh one other thing to look for in the next year i think and you two can disagree if you have a different take but i think we're primed to have a pretty significant growth year in terms of downloads and in terms of subscribers on the newsletter and it's not because we're making incredible amazing life-changing content although i do think we once in a while land on something that's pretty good but we actually in the background i think most folks don't know about this we had some partnerships and we were enrolled in some programs in the last year that helped set us up with skills tools resources etc that are going to basically be used by us to grow the platform in the next year so the first thing we did was a program called substack grow which was a program put on by the platform substack designed to help folks grow their newsletters, which that was certainly helpful, at least on the initial stage last year. But the real highlight for us was Lion did a partnership with the Google News Initiative. And I should give the acronym from Lion. It's like local independent, basically news organizations. And Google News Initiative obviously is like the parent company's Alphabet, Google, and they invest money into helping local news grow and thrive in a much more challenging environment. Obviously, the context here is Google, social media, the internet has contributed to a major decline in revenue for traditional local newspapers. So this is like a modern incarnation of like what happens next. And that was an incredible program where we learned a ton. And it's also created opportunities for us that would not have existed without it, including one that we just solidified with company called IndieGraph, who is basically going to help us promote ourselves and grow and find the audience who would really love what we do. So I think those are going to basically be the foundation of our growth for the next year. So if we have, let's say 10,000 downloads for this year, I think we should easily get to 25, 30,000 downloads by the end of next year. Oh, um, easy. And that's pretty amazing. Uh, but he's saying higher. Maybe maybe we shoot for 40 or 50K. 100. 100,000 downloads. <laughs> okay, you laugh, you laugh. We just need Alex to book us uh, Donald J. Trump or maybe I can get- Barack He's talking about Mike Pence. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> that one was 50-50. We added a 50, we lost the coin flip. But. <laughs> so anyway, I'm excited. I'm really excited about next year. And you know, I think I just think there's a ton of opportunity, ton of potential for us. And obviously we're figuring this out as we go. And, you know, even what was that? Was that earlier today where I was trying to pitch Buddy on a limited series idea where we would pick one newsmaker or like important figure and like do a sort of almost like a bio series on them and why 
their contributions to Oregon are so important. So there's things that will happen over the next year that we haven't even anticipated. So we're not just a podcast. Oregon 360 Media also has our op-ed page, which is the Oregon Way. And we've got the weekly newsletter, which comes out every Monday morning, which is called The Liftoff. So what do you all think about those two platforms and Oregon 360 Media as a company for the next year? We made some moves at the end of last year, and I think we're solidified moving forward. But what do you both think? Do it. And Go for it, buddy. I, okay, I'll start for by it, saying... I'll start by saying like branding is branding is an obstacle. It is square one. Um, and it, <laughs> we when have it failed is what you're trying when, to say. <laughs> well, so when you take on these kind of endeavors, I think it's just important to like always take one huge step back because it's easy to get excited about your product and your idea and put all your effort into that and just forget about the back end. Forget about, you know, where your stuff lives, what email address it's associated with who controls that passwords and the key is like continuity so like that i think is square one and that's something that we have been learning and adapting as we've gone through and that's really what these last few months have been about you know we keep talking about this feels like a rocket this sort of in this initiative but uh it's it's been a slow one uh, as we as we approach the end of the year Totally off-brand, uh, buddy. Totally <laughs> off-brand. Well, Send but, the rocket emojis to each other all the time. But here is the question. If uh, one of our listeners has an idea, a suggestion, a comment, a criticism, how can they reach us, buddy? Info at or360.org. That's right. We have official email addresses. You can email me at ben at or360.org. Titus, we have intern at or360.org. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Very highly paid intern, though. Right? <laughs> yes. But we are, uh, we got to give a thanks and kudos to Buddy for driving the ship in that direction. We're, get, we're becoming more consolidated, aligned in our products and our messaging and our brand. And I think it's just going to get cleaner over the next few months as we tighten things up. And obviously, maybe not obviously, this is a very much a side project hobby for all of us. So like I have a day job and several extracurricular commitments. Alex is trying to run his own business and avoid running it into the ground. Buddy is a full-time student who's got a million of his own projects. So, you know, this doesn't always get the time that we know it deserves and needs. And hopefully we'll be able to change that in the coming months and maybe even sooner. But yeah, I think like we're definitely in a good place and heading in the right direction. Yeah, I was going to say, too, uh, clearly I need a new microphone. Um, this, <laughs> this cable. Talk to our $5. CFO. Hey, talk to our CFO, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say one thing to look out for in particular is I think that the liftoff, which again, if you all haven't checked out, you definitely should. And maybe we can just put the link directly so that people can go and reference it if they want. Actually, Ben, in terms of his humble brags, he forgot. Ben actually broke a story. That was a very popular news article in the Oregonian, and it was that Gallatin and Wheelhouse are the two consulting firms, but it's Dan Levy and Kevin Looper, who both founded People for Portland. There was, I was looking on Orstar, which is the campaign finance reporting system for the state of Oregon, and Betsy Johnson in her campaign for governor listed a $50,000 campaign expenditure to Kevin Looper and a $25,000 campaign expenditure to Dan Levy. I mentioned it in the liftoff and the Oregonian picked it up and wrote a story about it. And kudos to them. They did cite our piece and link to it. So we actually grew our subscriber base a bit from that mention. But yes, that is a good, good humble brag, Alex. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of 
continuing to get better content for that. And then look out in the future because there may actually be another version of the liftoff that comes out also, which is something in the planning. So yeah, I'm personally really excited most, most about kind of where that product, in addition to this one, like where that product goes, just because I think it's like, and other people have started to pick this up, right? Like there is some daily publications now of like newsletters and things that are going out in the Oregon space, but I still don't think of all the things that I follow in terms of a weekly wrap up. I don't think anybody's doing it better than we are. Now, of course, we may be inviting some friends to compete with us just in terms of with this episode, but I'm really excited about that because I think this is the, both the paid and unpaid subscribers are growing pretty significantly. Like the numbers are really starting to add up and uh, I just think it's a really cool, innovative thing. So yeah, I'm really excited to see where that goes in the next year too. And I think Ben's just been doing an excellent job on that. Thank you. Thank you, sir. So I'm going to ad lib a little bit and maybe we'll end here unless folks have another item, but I have been listening to something that I'll plug in a minute, but aside from this project that we're working on together, the podcast and Oregon 360 media, what from the last year, is there a book, a movie, an audiobook, an album, something that sticks out in your mind that on a personal level, unrelated to this work that you think has been really interesting or impactful on you and how you think that uh, you want to plug as an end of year kind of highlight. I'll just open that up. Is anything jumping out to either of you? This kind of pertains to this work, but most things in my life do. I watched The Great Hack recently and- Oh, is that that documentary on, uh, what is it, Netflix? Yeah. I've not seen it. Yeah, it's worth watching. I mean, it's right in the vein of The Social Dilemma, but it talks about Cambridge Analytica and Facebook and 2016 election. It, it brought everything into perspective for me. Like it follows one person's journey through like re-attaining his own personal data. That's kind of the premise of the story. And then you get a little bit about this one journalist that really broke down this whole system. So for me, without diving too deep into a rabbit hole, like it was interesting to see the impact of individuals in what was such a grand scheme that came to really influence our entire world. So yeah, that was one piece of media that I found personally really impactful. There's a good audience recommendation for you, Alex. What about you? I was going to say, I had to look over my list of books and audio books, but I would say my favorite book from this year was probably The Man Who Ran Washington by Peter Baker, not, not related to Jim Baker, who the book is about, and then also Susan Glaser. It's, uh, it's a book I'd highly recommend to anybody, partially because I think it's like Jim Baker. So he served as Secretary of State, Secretary of Treasury, and White House Chief of Staff. And if I'm not mistaken, also Chairman of the Republican National Committee. And he ran the either two or three presidential campaigns. So like in terms of wonk and chill, and like businessman, like he's literally got the entire skill set and he was never elected to public office. And I think it sort of like inspiring about his story and obviously he worked in politics is not like just about the ways that he went about, I don't want to say get power, but like basically like influence decisions, make decisions and stuff like that. I just thought it was really inspirational in terms of that. I feel like a lot of people who are interested in politics and sort of policy and media, like it's really just because they're like self-ambitious, they want to run, they're like, I'm the best leader or whatever, but uh, I think that some of the most influential leaders like in business and politics and media or whatever, also some people who they don't take a backseat necessarily, but they're not always the front person and they don't think that they need to always be the front person. Now, probably someone will cite me and say, well, actually, Jim Baker was leaking all the time and all this other stuff. But, <laughs> uh, but besides that point, uh, yeah, I thought it was a really interesting book. It was a great read and I really enjoyed it. So definitely check it out if you're looking for a long book heading into the new year. 
I will plug a totally non-political thing that I like. I actually just finished it, and it's one of those where you finish it and you can't stop thinking about it. So it's called Miracle and Wonder. And it's like somewhere between an audiobook and a podcast. You have to pay for it. It's by Malcolm Gladwell, which I know is con- it's very, you know, Gladwell can be controversial. But in this case, he's literally just doing these interviews with Paul Simon of Simon and Garfunkel, but then had this like long solo career. I love Paul Simon's music. I've been listening to it forever. My parents listened to it when I was a kid. And he's literally, he's one of the most fascinating people. He's considered a musical genius. He's got all these bestsellers, you know, greatest hits, you know, Sound of Silence, all the way to Graceland later in his career. And he had like a Grammy nominated album of the year for five decades in a row, which is unheard of. I think it's just him and Paul McCartney. And so the premise of the podcast is like, what makes this guy tick? You've got these, you've got a lot, most musicians who like, peak when they're in their 20s or 30s and then spend the rest of their career sort of sailing the wave and this guy just has been this insane level of creative output and it's just fascinating to learn about and listen to and think about the parallels to politics like who are the people who are the equivalent of Paul Simon in Oregon politics for example which actually buddy that's where my idea pitched to you about the mini series came from gotcha because I think there's something similar there. But anyway, I wanted to add in something that wasn't explicitly about Oregon politics to our conversation. All right, gentlemen, before we close out for the evening, let's end the podcast with one thing that each of us are grateful for or thankful for from the last year as we close out 2021 and head into 2022. So Alex, why don't you kick us off? What are you thankful for? So it, it may seem like a little bit of a cop-out, but I actually don't think that she listens. So it's not a cop-out. <laughs> uh, I'm very thankful for my wife because it's been, in terms of my full-time job with my business, we grew at about 120% this year. We had some major growth, lots of long hours with that. She always watches our dog whenever it's time for podcasting. And she's definitely, you know, gives space in terms of like the long hours that I have to work and stuff like that. So I'm very thankful for her staying by my side, her commitment and all the help that she's given. Good answer. Buddy Terry. This last year was a crazy year of transition for me personally. I mean, it was really my like out of Oregon moment, kind of leaving, you know, cutting off the tap route and going on to pursue a master's. And that's like, I couldn't be more thankful for that opportunity. And just to be at Cal and now be in the Bay and really feel like I'm in the center of innovation really for like a lot of the West Coast, the United States, and even the world in many regards. I feel like so many great things are happening in the spaces that I find myself in on a daily basis and in class and around my peers. And I couldn't be more thankful for that opportunity and all that I know is gonna come from it. For sure, that's a good answer too. So for me, I think, Alex, your answer made me like, I'm grateful for a lot of things. I think the the obvious one is obviously we had an episode where I'm, I'm running for the state legislature currently. And I feel very lucky and fortunate, not only that that opportunity just sort of happened to happen because of redistricting, but also, and I think more importantly, the level of support that my partner Juan, who just to, to Alex's point, takes care of our little dog when we're recording podcasts and is incredibly supportive of all the long hours that it takes to have a day job, be on the school board, run for office, have a podcast. It's not easy for a partner, but also like my larger family, like my dad uh, has, you know, this was also a year where I moved into my first house, bought a house, um, which was incredibly challenging. Um, And I know Alex, you're hopefully about to go down a similar road. And 
So there's just been like a lot of change in a really positive change, but even really positive change is hard and emotionally draining. And I am just really lucky to have people in my life who care about me and who support me in taking risks and doing things that seem stupid at the time and uh, being there even when they fail sometimes. So yeah, I think we're all pretty lucky. But I think we're all also grateful for our listeners. And um, the community of listeners of this podcast has grown pretty significantly since we first started. And I think we're going to see even more significant growth next year. And I think one of my hopes to close us out in this conversation is that we'll be able to continue cultivating community and a sense of dialogue. We've got emails now. Reach out to us anytime if you've got ideas, suggestions, feedback. But we are really grateful for you. And for each week, you continue to download and listen and let us keep moving forward with this experiment. So with that, we will wrap up 2021. You'll be listening to this in 2022, but it's been a great year and uh, we appreciate you listening. Alex or Buddy, final words to send us off. Five stars. <laughs> five stars. We always have to get it in, right, Buddy? Always. That's true. How, many, how many five-star ratings do we have? We have like 55, I think. That's atrocious. That means we have literally hundreds, if not thousands of people who listen and don't give us five stars. Let this be your call to action. If you are one of those listeners who listens or, or, every or they week. listen on Spotify, to be fair. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So maybe it's Spotify listeners. But if you can, even if you have Apple Podcasts like me, but you listen on Spotify, go on to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, and then you've done your service to uh, the Oregon Bridge. Buddy, send us off with something meaningful. Well, I mean, this is going to be living on YouTube, so you got to close properly. It's something along the lines of, (laughs) this has been another episode of the Bridge Podcast. Thank you so much. Just don't forget to absolutely devastate, devastate that like button. Hit the subscribe, and we'll see you on the moon. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all from us. We will see you next time on the Oregon Bridge. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.